The following is brought to you by friends and partners of Otano Team Ministries. This is what I wanted to get to in the first part. Having a form of godliness and all of these characteristics. Hello, this is Pastor Michael Otano, and you're watching Revival Now. It's my pleasure today to present to you a very insightful message that's very sobering. Usually, I minister on a teaching format and begin to break the word down and teach us principles of the kingdom of God. But God has got me on assignment. This is a message that's designed to awaken the world and prepare us for the end time spirits that people are struggling with. The message is entitled, The Sin of Jeroboam. Jeroboam was the first king of Israel. And God promised Jeroboam that what he did for David, he would do for Jeroboam. But his sins that he committed were so great that he literally has become the enemy of God. And God said he would wipe out all those that were his ancestors. It is very interesting, it is very sobering, and I believe that this message is going to wake us up and prepare us for what God is getting ready to do in this hour. Let's go to the service already in progress. So it's been about a year now since this message has been brewing in me. I never preach anything on just like a thought I get. I don't do that. I kind of got to, it's got to ruminate in me. It's got to marinate. It's got to... It's got to become something in me. But about a year ago, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm seeing how God begins to refer to a king and says he did evil in the sight of the Lord because he did the same thing that Jeroboam did. He practiced the sin of Jeroboam. I was like, hmm, I wonder what that was. And then I saw another king. In the Bible, there was a time of monarchs in Israel, and it referenced it again. I said, hmm, that's interesting. And at that moment, a message was birthed in my spirit, and I'd just been kind of marinating over it. And after an exhaustive night in the morning, I spent time with God, and I just went through this whole thing and, and kind of traced it all throughout the Bible. I, went, I mean, I just did the whole thing. I was doing the wave. And today I'm going to unpack this, and I'm hoping that this is really going to get a hold of you in a sobering way. This is not an hour to neglect church attendance. I don't care what this culture is doing. They're wrong. I don't care if people that are turned from, back, from God and are backslid. They're wrong. This whole thing is going to end, and you got to decide that you're going to be saved or are you not going to be saved. Because this nation, this culture is immersed with the spirit and with the sin of Jeroboam. 2 Kings chapter 3, please. 2 Kings chapter number 3. So be ready. We're going to go through a lot of scripture in the Old Testament. We're still on that series on uh, when Satan comes. I think I gave you three parts to that. I'm going to finish that, but... We had to interrupt this because my boss asked me to preach this. Now, Jehoram, everyone say Jehoram. Jehoram. Now, these names in the Old Testament, man, I'm telling you, 
Jehoram is not Jeroboam. These are two totally different characters in the Bible. But Jehoram, who was the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. Watch it. And he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and his mother, for he put away the images of Baal that his fathers had made. Nevertheless, he claved unto the sin Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which made Israel to sin. He departed not thereof. Wow. So here's a guy that his parents were totally corrupt, totally polluted, thought that he turned some things around. Bible says God looked at him. He said, he did evil in my sight. I'm going to talk to you tonight about the sin of Jeroboam. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for everyone here under the sound of my voice. I thank you for every person that's tuned in to this message. I don't preach this message inside these four walls. For this is a message that you've given me for the world. And I'm asking God right now that every person that is tuned in, that they would tune in with an open heart. I'm asking God for your grace to touch them, that you can renew the fear of the Lord, that you would awaken us and prepare us in these end times. The name of Jesus, I declare all of you and none of me and that the devil is defeated in Jesus' name. And let someone say amen to that. Clap your hands unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Now, when I say something that you like, what are you supposed to say? All right. So it was really a gasping for me to just really begin to peruse the word of God and consider... Jehoram, who was the son of Ahab. You remember Ahab. He was the king of Israel. Now, Ahab was a wicked king. He was a wicked king because he was married to a wicked woman. A woman by the name of Jezebel. The Bible says that Jezebel is a spirit. It's not just a female spirit at that. It is a spirit that the book of Revelation talks to us about. And when you look at Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, it says even in the end times there are going to be people that are going to nurture the spirit of Jezebel and they allow it to come into the church. That seductive, manipulative spirit that tries to take control, that tries to dominate. And that's exactly what Jezebel did to her husband, husband Ahab, who was king of Israel. But he was more of a puppet king because he wasn't really leading. She was leading. Instead of her looking to him for leadership, he was looking to her for leadership. And so the Bible says that they had children and their children themselves were corrupt. Jerob, uh, Jerob, not Jeroboam, but Jehoram, 
who literally began to turn things around. He, he began to consider the ways of his father, how he raised up that image unto Baal. There was a lot of audacity that took place in the Old Testament where they would begin to mingle with different cultures, different cultures that would worship certain gods. One of those gods was the god of Baal. It was a god that... Um, was designed to offer up your children unto God. And so here Ahab brought this to the children of Israel that says you're going to start worshiping this God. The amazing thing was not that he imposed Baal on the people, but that the people simply accepted anything what was presented to them. Because to worship Baal, anytime you had your first child, you would take that first child and you would sacrifice it unto the God of Baal. It's a very wicked type of ideology to sacrifice the most precious thing. But I submit to you that the God of Baal is still alive in a culture that celebrates abortion. There's many that are sacrificing their children unto... I know that you're enjoying the broadcast, and I wanted to remind you and inform you, if you're interested for more content, you can visit us on all of our social media platforms. You can visit us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or even on our website. We're here to revive you and to transform your life. God bless. The God of Baal. There are many that entertain that spirit of Jezebel, and here... Jehoram, here he started off doing something right. He had a sense of consciousness to know that God was there. And he made some attempts, but he didn't follow through because he was acclimated. He was kind of desensitized because of the stagnation that Jeroboam introduced. And it caused him to be lulled to sleep. It called him to to conform in his ideology where he really didn't have it in his heart to put God first even though he made some slight attempts so the bible says he followed after the sin of Jeroboam there was a time in Israel that all of the tribes of Israel were united together there were 12 tribes of Israel and God was designed to be the king over Israel. And what happened was because there was this practice of idolatry. Idolatry is simply the worship of anything before God. Anything that a person puts before God, they are practicing idolatry. Well, I've got to work and they intentionally schedule their work where they're going to miss the house of God. It is an act of idolatry. They, God says to be faithful to me and to engage me intimately in a relationship and follow after my leading. But idolatry presupposes that idea and interrupts it where people begin to create their own ideologies of how they're going to worship God and they do so through the practice of idolatry. In the Old Testament, idolatry was connected to carvings, wood carvings that would be cut out and they would give names to these wood carvings. And then what was interesting, they would give names to these wood carvings such as Baal. 
it was, it was an image that they had and that they would worship, but somehow they would dilute Jehovah and they would say that Baal was Jehovah and people would be confused with the idolatry because when you reject God's truth and when you reject the leading of the Spirit, God gives you over to whatever it is that you're going to put before Him and therefore the spirit of idolatry overwhelms an individual well because of that and God had the promise that Messiah was going to come through the tribe of Judah God wanted to preserve the tribe of Judah there was one tribe that he said he was going to preserve because that was going to be the tribe that Jesus would come through I don't think is an accident that God chose the tribe of Judah because Judah is a tribe, a breakthrough type of tribe because praise is an act of breakthrough. Praise is an act where a person determines to say, I'm coming after God. I'm chasing after God. And so God says, I'm going to preserve my tribe of Judah. And doing so, I'm going to break up the tribes of Israel. There's going to be a northern tribe of Israel and the southern tribe of Israel. There'll be a king ruling in the northern tribe of Israel, but there'll be a king ruling in the southern tribe of Israel. You got to understand this structure, this format that was taking place because there was two kings ruling simultaneously, one ruling in the northern kingdom, one ruling in the southern kingdom, but it was that southern kingdom that God says, I'm going to protect this tribe because this tribe is connected to David and David was a man after my own heart. And so I'm going to try to preserve that, that Judah doesn't become corrupt because if Judah becomes corrupt, then what will happen is then I'm not going to be able to come through Judah. So God was going to preserve Judah. But Israel, on the other hand, God was going to allow Israel. He was going to work with Israel. He would assign a prophet to Israel. He would deal with Israel. But Israel was predisposed. Israel was predisposed to follow after idolatry. It's interesting because the way that goes leadership is the way that goes the nation. Whatever the heart of the leader is will be a reflection of the people. This is why leadership is so important. You cannot have a northern mentality. You can't have a, a Rehoboam mentality. There's two names here, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. They sound similar, but Rehoboam was actually the son of King Solomon. King Solomon was supposed to be the wisest man that ever lived. And he was wise, but I'm, you know, I have to question some of his wisdom because there was some acts of... Why are so many people having so much turmoil? Why is the church turning to so many different things instead of going back to the altar and going back to an experience and trusting God in His Word and living with the sense of peace that has been imparted? We have to understand and we celebrate all the time that the righteousness that we have is the righteousness of Jesus. That it's not our righteousness, it's the righteousness of Jesus. That He became sin, that we would become the one. 
the righteousness of God. That righteousness is not our righteousness. We celebrate that. We've grown into that. I taught you that. But what I need to really teach you and what I really need to get you to understand when I speak about peace, the same way the righteousness has come from Jesus, I'm not talking about a peace from this world. I'm not talking about a peace that you can generate. I'm not talking about something that you can do. I'm talking about a peace that comes from the power of the Holy Ghost. imposing that he practiced because he had 350 wives look how quiet it is can't handle one wife you don't have 350 wives then he had all those concubines as well dude had a thousand women it would take him two and a half years to spend one day with one of them he kept allowing his heart to be influenced by them. He introduced idolatry to Israel. The man that cried out to God and said, God, I'm just asking for one thing. I'm just but a child. Give me wisdom that I can make sound decisions. And yet while he was making sound decisions for everyone else, he wasn't making sound decisions for himself. And so what happened, God said he was going to split his kingdom up. His son Rehoboam, who the Bible says was a foolish son. Rehoboam was a foolish son because his father was so scattered. His father was not just scattered, he was convoluted. He didn't give his son something particular. He didn't give his son something of substance, something to get a hold of values that he can see his father honoring because he was so pulled away with various cultures and various types of idolatry. It confused his own son where the Bible says he was foolish. His heart was far from God that the moment he got into the position of being king. His responsibility was to serve the people. And he was told by his counselors. They told him, hey, listen, relieve the people of their taxes. Show them that you're going to be a great leader. But instead of relieving the people, instead of honoring wise counsel, I think the spirit of Rehoboam is out there as well. Instead of honoring wise counsel, he did what he wanted to do in his own heart. And the Bible said he heeded not to the wise counsel that was around him. And he ordered for the raising of the taxes on the people that he was ruling over. He was not a good, good leader because he didn't care about the people. He cared about himself. He was too enthroned by carrying out this uh, sense of leading out of entitlement. He led out of the sense of following his own premonitions. And so God split the kingdom, the northern and the southern kingdom. And it's interesting. Go with me to Second Chronicles chapter number 12, verses 13 through 14, because there we see how God looks at Rehoboam, that he could have had an opportunity, but there were some things that he failed to do, some basic things. 
There's some basic things that you can do to assure that you would continue and finish the course of your faith. It's not just about coming into kingdom and being born again. You want to set some things in order in your life that what you've started, you can finish. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 and 4. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam was one and 40 years old, 41 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother was Naamah the Amorite. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Here was a man that was foolish because he was scattered And the Bible says he did evil. He had every opportunity to be successful and he squandered it. How did he squander it? He didn't set his heart to seek the Lord. There has to be a setting of your heart to seek God. It cannot be simply going from experience to experience that if you're in the right environment or the right atmosphere, you'll have the right experience. No, you have to be able to seek God. Set it in your heart. I'm going to seek God. I know that you're enjoying the broadcast, and I wanted to remind you and inform you, if you're interested for more content, you can visit us on all of our social media platforms. You can visit us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or even on our website. We're here to revive you and to transform your life. God bless. Set it in your heart. I'm going to pursue God. Set it in your heart. I'm going to see this through the end. You can't just allow things to interrupt your life. Rehoboam allowed anything to interrupt his life. He didn't care about anything that God cared about. And he did that which was evil before the Lord. He could have made the small adjustment and simply say, I'm going to seek God. What would happen if you make the small adjustment and you say, I'm going to seek God? If you make the small adjustment and you say, I'm going to seek God, then what you're saying is, I'm going to prioritize God. What you're saying is, I'm not going to allow my feelings, I'm not going to allow my emotions, I'm not going to allow what's going on around me to affect my decision. I have chosen that I am going to seek God. And he reigned for 17 years and he thought that he was just going to get away with everything because he reigned for 17 years. But at the 17th year, it was ended and all of his decisions caught up with him. And he died. Recorded in the annals of history, Rehoboam did evil in the sight of God. And yet, his father was Solomon. How despicable. 
If we do not make the decision to say, I'm going to seek God. And I'm, I'm submit to you today that there are a lot that have allowed this culture to influence them. It's whatever the culture is doing. It's whatever is trending is go, that's going on that determines what people are going to engage or what people are going to experience. It is not based on whether certain things line up perfectly for you, whether you have a great experience with God or not have a great experience with God. Because when you set your mind and you set your heart to say, I'm going to seek God, it doesn't matter what the song is. Because you're seeking God, you're going to pursue God. It does not matter what the Bible study is about. Because you've set your heart and you said, I'm going to seek God. It just does not matter. Because if you choose to seek God, you are choosing to pursue after God. And if you are pursuing after God, God's going to pursue after you. But if you're not pursuing after God, God is not going to pursue after you. He said, draw an eye to God. And he will draw an eye to you. I'm waiting for God to touch me. And God is saying, I'm waiting for you to get up and come after me. I'm really not preaching about Rehoboam. I'm preaching about Jeroboam. That was just kind of like extra there. When we begin to look at Jeroboam and we begin to consider just other kings that he influenced. I told you Jehoram, but there's also a king by the name of King Basha. Look at 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 33. Here's another king that has another opportunity to rule and to reign and representing God in the northern kingdom. And look what his decisions were. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 33 through 34. Am I helping someone tonight? I'm wanting to stir something inside of you tonight. I'm, I'm not just stir you emotionally. I, I can do that. I know how to minister the word. I know how to bring out revelation. But some people, if they don't get a revelation, if they don't get some type of new insight, they kind of feel like they just can't get a breakthrough. That's, that's a spirit that needs to be subdued in your life. I'm trying to put some substance inside of you that you set your heart to seek after God. That it's not about the things of God. It's about God himself. In the third year of Asher, king of Judah, God always tells us a counterpart. He tells us a counterpart that Asher is reigning in Judah and they can live for God. But here, uh, Bashar, the son of uh, uh, Ajahel, the king that reigned over Israel, in Tizra, 20 and four years, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Walked in the ways of Jeroboam, and in his sin, wherewith he made Israel to sin. Another king being influenced by the decisions that Jeroboam has made, that he has an opportunity to do right in the sight of the Lord, and yet. He chooses to follow after the sin of Jeroboam, not after only following the sin of Jeroboam, but because he followed the sin of Jeroboam, all Israel followed the sin of Jeroboam. 
And it's interesting because when you look at Jeroboam, Jeroboam had every opportunity. Some young person needs to listen to me today. Someone needs to wake up today. Someone watching me today needs to wake up. Every opportunity where whatever you've been through is no excuse. When God says, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter who your parents are. When God comes and God says, I'm going to do something through you, and God begins to make some promises, it transcends whatever your experiences are in life. Because Jeroboam had every opportunity. God looked down at Jeroboam and says, you have potential. Well, I know that message really stirred us up and provoked us to consider our personal responsibilities to God. It is God's design that we would be faithful to his house. I want to encourage you to maybe visit us at our local campus at Christian Revival Center. Revival Now is a local outlet ministry designed to support Christian Revival Center. I promise you... This is a place that will transform your life. And I never like to conclude without reminding you that you are important to God. God bless.